0: Today on Teen Teaching.
1: I think we need to think about when is it that homework is pointless and that kind of gives us straight away a, a bad kind of homework. It doesn't have any real purpose. It's often, bad homework is often tokenistic, kind of, oh, well, I need to set homework to stick to the homework policy or because I've been told I need
2: to or something like that. Um, I think it links really to that idea of ownership and that the students are wanting to complete it because they're proud of you know, how it looks and that kind of level of importance as well. So. There should be no reason
1: why you shouldn't be able to do this homework. There should be uh, no barriers. So, almost removing any, um, sometimes excuses, but sometimes genuine, there's a reason I can't do this. Um, but alongside that, I think that, especially with some of our older students, kind of GCSE and up, we said, we we tried to make sure that we fostered a sense of ownership and responsibility.
3: Welcome to Tea and Teaching, the educational podcast you can listen to with a cup of tea. I'm Arthur Moore and with me, as always, it's Mike Harrowell. Hi, Mike. Hello, Arthur. How are you? Ah, oh, I'm fantastic, buddy. We've been out in the field at Research Egg, but now we're back into the real world of Zoom recording pods. It's our happy place.
0: It was. Research Ed was fantastic. And if our listeners haven't listened to our uh, kind of live recording from Research Ed, i strongly encourage them. Go and have a listen about all the things we took away from that day.
3: And the reason I bring it up, Mike, is today we've got on the pod two people you went to see their Research Ed talk about. And you came out and you said it was the, your main takeaway from the whole day.
0: Yeah, I've crossed the line from uh, Research Ed attendance to uh, Stalker.
3: So we've got Amy Pollard and Rachel Cattrell on to talk to us about homework. So go get the kettle on, get a cup of tea, get a biscuit. And when we're back, we'll be talking to Amy and Rachel all about homework and how we can make it even better.
4: Another great conversation with Tea and Teaching. Over at QT, we love chatting about what defines excellence in tutoring. In fact, we're obsessed. If you want to join the conversation and find out how we are raising standards in tutoring together, go to qualifiedtutor.org. We would love to welcome you in.
0: Welcome back to Teen Teaching. We are joined by Rachel Cattrall and Amy Pollard. Welcome to the pod.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: So... We first became aware of you at Research Ed at the National Conference, where I was lucky enough to attend your session on homework, and it's a topic we've never spoke about on teen teaching, so we're really interested to get your opinions on this. Um, but before we do that, can you just tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you met as well, because um, that's kind of underpins your, your work on homework, really?
1: Yeah, it
2: does. Um, Amy, would you like to go first? Uh, Yes, so I'm Amy Pollard. I am now Head of History at um, Beckfoot School. I've been there three years, so started in 2020, Um, but I've been a history teacher for about nine years, if I'm doing my maths correctly. Um, Yeah, so that's me. Um, and I'm Rachel Cattrall. Um,
1: I was head of history at Beckford School. Um, I'd been there for about seven years by the time that uh, I left the school in summer. Um, I'd been a teacher for nine years, but I'd actually started as an English teacher and then transitioned into my one true love history, which uh, then, as you say, is kind of how Amy and I met um, when she joined Beckfoot, which was a lovely addition to the team. <laughs>
3: And then how did homework become the kind of the go-to thing?
1: (laughs) That's an interesting question. Um, I guess it kind of all started around lockdown, which was when actually Amy was transitioning into the team. I think you, you were just kind of looking for a way to kind of get into the Beckfoot way before starting Um, and it was something that had been frustrating us in the history team uh, for a while especially with our post-16 because we expect a lot of our post-16 students outside of the classroom um, but I think it was never done well and we couldn't really work out why we didn't really have um, a good enough system. So during lockdown, kind of had a bit of an idea of where we wanted it to go based on the systems that we had in school already. We had this policy of five hours in. So the idea that you would do five additional hours outside of your lesson time to you know kind of accelerate your progress in a topic or a subject rather um and i kind of had this idea that it could all be kind of consolidated into one place really easy to access but just didn't really have the time to do anything with it and then along comes lockdown and along comes amy saying hi can i help can i do anything and um the wonderful Amy arrived, and I don't know if you want to take over from where you,
2: you joined in. Uh, yes, yeah, so I was looking for brownie points, to be quite honest. You know, you start in <laughs> a new school, you want to make an impression. Um, so fired off this email, and Rachel came back. So I was taking on an A-level class. i have been teaching the Tudors topic at my previous school and was going to carry on teaching it um, at Beckford, which was quite nice. And so Rachel said, well, this is the idea we've got um can you do something with it for Tudors and then we kind of see what you've come up with so over lockdown I spent some time putting together this booklet and it was for the entire reign of Henry the Seventh, every kind of topic that the exam board wanted us to cover so government and religion and so on and then broke it down into the sort of three areas that Beckfoot wanted us to look at so the consolidate work the reactive work and then the proactive work where we were trying to push them to go one step further. Um, and so I finished Henry the 7th and All Good Intentions was about to start Edward so that year 13 had something. And then we got back to school. We were wandering around, you know, every classroom. I got to know the school very, very well in that first year and it just got put on the back burner. It wasn't something that we kind of um carried on with but that's where it started it was kind of always there in the background
3: so me and mike were talking about this pre-pod and we're like what do we want kind of what to want to learn about homework and then mike said do you know what's a really good question like what's bad homework and i think we all (laughs) maybe have an idea of what bad homework is and we've all probably set some i know i definitely have mike never has his homework is always top notch but like (laughs) Before we talk about what makes great homework, do you want to kind of give us an idea of what maybe doesn't make great homework?
1: Yeah. Um. So there's a lot of kind of, as you say, bad homework out there. And I think we need to think about when is it that homework is pointless. And that kind of gives us straight away a, a bad kind of homework. It doesn't have any real purpose. It's often bad homework is often tokenistic kind of, Oh, well, I need to set homework to, stick to the homework policy or because i've been told i need to or something like that um it's also uh, pointless when it's poorly defined you know if we kind of say go off and do something create a project be creative but there's no real guidance for students you then get a range of uh, fantastic kind of Really put heart and soul into it versus not, and that's not their fault, that's ours for not being very clear about what we were hoping for. Um, I said this during the um presentation at Research It as well. This one's a, a personal pet peeve. Um, when homework's given out as punishment, that's a really really bad thing. Um, I kind of saying pet peeve, ex English teacher speaking here. It's the same with reading. I used to hate it when you'd see going into detention, get your reading book out, get your homework out. It was seen something negative so it's creating that idea of homework's bad I don't want to do it so that kind of creates that that sort of bad feeling it, it links into that pointlessness and then the last thing is when it's a bit of a PR exercise so you know parents are saying you're not giving us enough homework uh, my kids are not doing enough outside of school so we make up some busy work um, and I think we've all got some good examples of um, busy
2: work especially in history aren't there yeah <laughs> Um, I've set a lot of bad homework that's been busy work. Um, again, this was an example I used at the the talk at Research Ed. We love a Mott and Bailey castle in history. And I have had many a Mott and Bailey castle brought in um, of varying qualities. I had one that had a working drawbridge, which was excellent, but he had spent more time probably developing his DT skills than his historical knowledge of actually how that castle worked. And then You know, they bring them in and then they sit in your classroom for years. In my case, I chucked some out when I moved after five years at my last school and I felt awful. But those kids were in year 11 and they'd never asked me about them again. And they got nothing out of it. That was probably a bit of a PR exercise as well with parents of, oh, look, they're doing this big project. It's set over the whole half term. But they... Learned nothing, it consolidated nothing from their learning of castles, it was very loosely linked to what they were doing in lesson. Um, so yeah, the kind of whole purpose of those kind of homeworks are just not there, it's not beneficial for the kids.
0: I a slight confession is that I once taught a bit of history, key stage three. And I anything, set, you did, anything you didn't teach mike this comes up every time. there's oh, yeah, a I few things a i've of taught you know what <laughs> the teachers are like we get lumped extra things that are on the timetable <laughs> um and a, a student once bought in an edible castle it was made of cake it was unbelievable best bit of homework i've ever received
2: <laughs> i've had a few of those and the class were like well can we eat it now and i remember having we'd cut it with a ruler we had we had no no that names, not obviously. sound hygienic <laughs> it doesn't sound hygienic I was like right go wash it and we cut it with a thirty centimeter ruler
0: I'm just impressed you shared it I took it home
3: <laughs> so cake themed homework unless maybe you're in food tech okay. is maybe it's great for Mike but not maybe great for the learning so yeah. if we kind of throw that spin it around I w- I'm about to make some homework I want to make it absolutely brilliant. I want Rachel and Amy to be proud of me when they look at my homework. (laughs) What should be like the number one thought in my head when I'm about to create, make, whatever this homework?
2: Would you like to take it first on this one, Amy? Um, (sighs) If I can remember the five that we came up with, (laughs) or we came up with, we used. Um, I think obviously the, the big thing for homework is the amount of progress it can add for students. So adding like extra five months, Our favourite one, which I imagine we're going to talk a lot about, is that the homework is aesthetically pleasing. That was our kind of big um, thing that, you know, the the students feel like it's important. They want to look after it. They want to bring it in. And, you know, homework's not a public relations exercise with parents. But really, certainly the case with those at Bedford is that's what the parents see of what they're doing in school. And so we do want the parents to look and go, ah, this is good stuff. Um, Gorm Mitchell, you take over because the others have escaped my mind. Oh, um, <laughs> well, I think, I think
1: obviously aesthetic appeal is is really, really important for Amy and I to like to make things look pretty, and we did get very many sort of oohs and ahs when uh, the homework booklets came out, which you know pandered to our egos. Um, but I think the biggest the biggest thing for me is the idea of purpose behind homework. Um, John Hattie had kind of said that unless homework is deliberate, practice it's actually pointless. So I suppose that kind of goes back to our first question. Um, and the five things that Amy was talking about here came from um, a US um, homework uh, kind of researcher. She called herself the homework lady. That's uh, Kathy Vatterott, And she said, purpose is really important as amy said already aesthetic appeal because kids want to do it it looks engaging it looks like something yeah i i want to i want to see what this is about rather than just kind of screwed up at the bottom of of a bag and produced a little bit later with ink stains and everything on it um and that kind of links to one of her third things which is about ownership like the students need to be given a certain amount of responsibility over their homework. Um, You know, I I want to do this because it's going to be good for me. I can see the purpose behind it. And then uh, we've got a couple of other things. Um, It needs to be really efficient. Um, So they shouldn't have to look at 10 different places to be able to do one homework task. They should be able to, right, I can see on the page, this is what I've got to do. Here's how I'm going to do it. And I know that I should be spending maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes on this homework and going again with that idea of purpose. It should be about increasing their skills, increasing their competence in some way. So I guess in summary, the big thing is purpose. um, If you were having to say maybe one thing.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think the students have to understand why they're doing it as opposed to you come to school, you work really hard for however many, many minutes you're at school. And now, here's some extra work to go and work even harder on at home. They, you've got to really sell it to them, haven't you?
3: What I would want to ask about is like this whole thing is aesthetically pleasing. It kind of feels like counterintuitive to a lot of the stuff we talk about with cognitive sciences and where it's all about processes and understand what's going on. As a maths teacher, I kind of want to write 10 questions on a piece of paper and give them that piece of paper. So, why is that an important part of the whole process? like why why rather than just because I know some of my students want it to look nice but some of my students maybe don't want to or maybe I don't think they want it so why is that so crucial because you both said it straight away Is like we're going to talk about this we're going <laughs> to talk about this so let's talk <laughs> um
2: I think it links really to that idea of ownership and the the students are wanting to complete it because they're proud of you know how it looks and that kind of level of importance as well so last year um when we were coming up to the run up to exams we split the homework booklets for our year 13 students into the kind of here's your topic revision you know retrieval practice booklet and here's your exam skills booklet and i don't know how we ended up doing it but one was in black and white and one was in color and um I think it was our colleague Rory who was kind of like, it just doesn't look as good in the black and white. Um, and even the students, you're handing it out and they're going, oh, it's it's a black and white one, this one. So they do want to kind of have that ownership over it, kind of motivate some of them to to do it as well, which, you know, we always want.
1: I suppose if we think about a lot of the resources that are designed specifically for students the, you know people get paid a lot of money to make these resources things like revision guides things like textbooks they are designed to be engaging and aesthetically pleasing and I think that that kind of echoed in that homework or it was at least our intention behind it to make it look like something they wanted to do um thinking back to your idea about oh i want to give them 10 questions on a page um and that be their homework um another key part of the booklets is that everything was self-contained within the booklet they didn't need to find another piece of paper to do the homework on and hand it in and it was designed as almost like this is this is your revision booklet you do not need to buy a fancy revision guide because you take care of this. This is your exam prep, basically. And if you think about kind of how was it received, because if all of this effort was going into making it look pretty, was it just about me and Amy having a good time on PowerPoint or whatever? Um, Actually, the students, we did some student voice on this after, um, was it maybe, oh, I want to say in the summer term, was it that we did this Uh, Run up to May half term, was it? Yeah,
2: just before year 13 did their exams.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we definitely still had year 13 around. Um, And both year 12 and year 13, both exposed to this for the first time. Um, They said, you know, we really like the covers that you're putting on them. We really like the colour. We like how it's laid out. It's really clear and easy to follow. And I think some of that does come from the aesthetic appeal a little bit.
0: I'm interested, like... I can see why year 12s and 13s, on the whole, would quite enjoy that kind of ownership and and they're able to work a little bit more independently, maybe than key stage three or four students. But have you managed to implement something at key stage three that's been just as successful?
1: Um, well, we started kind of with Key Stage 5, as we said, and then we thought we'll pull it down to Key Stage 4. And then sort of in the transition period, as I was leaving and, and handing over to Amy, we just started looking at how can we introduce this into Key Stage 3? But it was more humanities-focused, wasn't it? So we did have a number of similar sort of activities, but I think, Amy, you're probably better talking about this because obviously you're in <laughs> on the ground, as it
2: were. Yeah, so... Um... We are obviously about halfway through the first half term where all of key stage three have got these booklets now. Um, They're a little bit smaller and they do combine history, geography and RE on a kind of rolling process. So rather than them having 20 minutes of history, 20 minutes of RE, 20 minutes of geography to do each week, it's just one task for geography in week one, history in week two, RE in week three. And we're building in some of the retrieval tasks that are similar to what we see at key stage four and five but one thing that school are trying to kind of really encourage at the minute with the students is doing something like a back footer Um, so kind of speaking like a back footer or writing like a back footer um and so this was kind of pioneered by the re team really because when they So Olivia, who's the head of RE, who kind of saw our booklets was like, I want to do that. Um, She kind of added this speaking and reading and so on. So they're now our headings for key stage three. And the idea behind the key stage three ones is that it's sort of extending their learning. So it doesn't have to be based on what they've done in lesson that week, because because of the nature of it, it might be that um so year seven had one that was a freya model on the dark ages and based on when the history week got set they might have done the dark ages less than the week before they might be coming up to do it but it didn't matter the idea was that they were able to use their resources and their learning so far to kind of go beyond with that so that's kind of in process at the moment um but the students seem to have responded to it quite well which is really good
1: I was thinking about your idea of that purpose element when Amy was talking about this Freya model of a phrase like the dark ages it the way that they've designed it's really clever because it doesn't necessarily matter whether you're consolidating that concept of dark ages or or maybe perhaps you're pre-learning it either way the students are getting something out of that homework task no matter when that falls so I think that really links again back to the idea of purpose
3: One thing I've noticed that both of you are saying quite a lot is how much you're like talking when you were both working in school, talking to each other or talking as a department, talking to other departments and then those clearly those bigger conversations there. And one thing I've had experiences of, and I'm sure everyone's had experience of is where you're kind of responsible for your own homework. You come to the end of a lesson, maybe homework or the topic has gone on. You go, Oh, just do a couple more questions or just do this. So what I'm interested is like, take it slightly like wider how have you built that kind of culture in your department or so in the school of like homework is something we do collectively and as and as a team rather than just uh Mike teaches year seven so Mike you set that homework I'll do year eight we'll never talk about it again and
1: um- I think a part of that came down we um, were very lucky in that our school had um, every week collaborative planning time uh, I know not every school kind of has a weekly time where the department can get together and sometimes that would have been as a faculty as well so we were together as a whole humanities group but looking at the homework within those collaborative planning times meant that we were able to be really deliberate about what we wanted those homeworks to look like, what we wanted to achieve with those homeworks. Um, and if I think back to um, when Amy and I were creating the key stage five ones, um, that was very much sort of us in our own silos, I guess, because Amy taught the cheetah side, I taught the Russia side. so it was out of necessity kind of we did our own thing but I think we were always popping into each other's rooms I think we probably uh, got far less done than perhaps we would have, would have done if we had been working completely on our own but kind of saying oh look I've just found this new idea or I've tried this out for Tudors do you think it would work for Russia constantly firing off little emails. so I think it's that sort of culture of you know oh this is a cool thing would it work here um and then that gave us ideas for the key stage four and I think we kind of we kind of chose the key stage four stuff together, looking at what is it, what's the key knowledge, what's the key stuff that they need to remember from this week? What do we want the homework to focus on next week or the week after? Um, so I suppose, I don't know whether your experience would have been the same there, Amy. Obviously, this is what I perceived was the way that we were
2: running it. But, you know, perception of reality can always be a bit different. No, I, I agree completely. I think we were really lucky to have the team that we kind of have as a wider humanities, as well as within history, that we were always kind of very receptive to each other's ideas as well. And I don't think we ever really had to push the booklets on the, the other A-level teachers. It was like, look, this is what we've got. And they, they ran with it as well. Um, so I think we we were lucky in the sense that we had that department kind of spirit, if you like, um, that built on that.
0: Yeah, one thing we've really looked at as a school is about um, putting, first of all, we changed the term homework to home learning Mm. to make that understanding of it's not just extra work, it's a building upon what you're doing. But then we we got, well, one thing we're working on this year is getting departments to look at their midterm planning and actually planning in the home learning. So like you said, Arthur, it's not just individual teachers doing their individual things, it's actually part of that scheme of work. So here what you're going to do in lesson, and here's how you're going to consolidate that or build upon that in your home learning. And then that's how that's going to affect your next lesson. And it just shows how that's part of that sequential kind of process of learning. Um, so I'm, I'm interested, is that something that you guys have built into that midterm planning as well?
1: Um I think definitely for the key stage five ones, um, the way that we produced those kind of necessitated that longer term planning that you're mentioning. Uh, you know, they were printed kind of half term in advance. Um, it required us to kind of think okay, so when, when are our assessments going to be within the next half term? What do we want them to be able to? Uh, kind of consolidate before that next time we're going to read their I don't know, exam questions that we've asked them to do. Uh, so that was that was the way that the Key Stage 5 worked. I think one thing that was maybe a little bit different about Key Stage 4 was yes we had an idea of how we wanted it to go um, sort of short-term, medium-term uh, kind of thinking okay well next term actually we'd like to almost interleave a bit of um, content while bringing in one of their old topics that that was sort of in there as a medium-term plan but I think we also partly because it was a lot of work to create these sort of uh, sheets and the, the the home learning that was um, both purposeful and aesthetically pleasing and all that and um, it did allow us to be a little bit more flexible like we might have said oh well actually that that lesson I don't know about you but my students really didn't quite get the whole I don't know we were teaching the Vietnam War they didn't get uh, communism versus capitalism can we put that into next week's homework sheet so it it kind of brings up this idea of do you go for a pre-prepared booklet Or do you need to be a little bit more flexible um, depending on how the students are responding to the teaching? So I think it's a bit of a tricky one, but the planning was always there, but potentially needed to be a little bit flexible depending on the students as well.
3: Mike, should we pause there and go for a biscuit break, treat ourselves to a custard cream? And then when we come back, we can talk about some practical tips when we all go into school and work tomorrow and be like, I want to make some homework. Uh, Mike, what type of biscuit are you going to get?
0: Bourbon. Always a bourbon.
3: Straight in, straight in. Uh, We will be back in a moment.
4: Before we get back to tea and teaching, did you know that QT members have access to community, events, training, resources, discounts, digital credentials and a directory listing? Entry requirements for QT membership is DBS and safeguarding training. You can think of us as the fair trade for tutors. If you want to know more about becoming a QT member, go to qualifiedtutor.org. We are raising standards in tutoring together.
0: Panicked, Baldwin was a terrible choice. leave that in mike leave
3: that in uh we are back with rachel and amy and we're talking about homework or as mike likes to call it home learning there we go mike there you go like nice little tick there um so I, a a teacher's going into work tomorrow rachel and amy and they're like do you know what i to this fantastic podcast teen teaching uh learnt loads from me brilliant uh rachel and amy and i kind of want to change what i'm doing about homework but like, I'm a realist, I've got loads on. So I'm just gonna focus on this homework I'm making for my class tomorrow. What's that one thing that they should do, they can do straight away? It's nice and easy to implement. They don't have to worry about making these big folders that they're making longer term, but something they can do that's really practical for their lesson tomorrow.
2: Um, I think the biggest thing that we learned was you don't have to start from scratch. Um history teacher twitter in particular is brilliant for sharing things and a lot of the resources that we've got certainly in the key stage five booklets are resources that we have mined from people who have been generous enough to share them on twitter and so um sometimes I ended up being luckier than Rachel was because they were Tudors ones there and ready to use Um, but it wasn't kind of I've got to stare at a blank page see what's already out there and how can you then use that for your students
1: i think pilfering and adapting resources is a really really good tip um, i think that's something that we can use in our lessons as well as this homework thing and i'd almost say pilfer from yourself as well um, you know if you get a template that works really really well why would you then reinvent it every time you wanted to do a new, a new homework sheet or a new booklet or, or something like that? Uh, and actually the students really would really benefit from that if you pilfer from yourself and re-expose them to some of the things that you want them to learn more deeply. You know, retrieval says that the, the more that we retrieve, the stronger the memory becomes. Um, so thinking about, actually, I don't need to start from scratch as amy said there are lots of resources around there look at what other people have done you get kind of ideas from them but also don't be afraid to repeat the format um, they're going to benefit from it from it you know and and it saves you some time so that that i'd say would be another top tip that it's okay for it to look quite similar from week to week or even every fortnight or something like that
2: yeah and kind of building on that um, a lot of certainly for the key stage 4 and 5 stuff retrieval activities that um, we got a lot from Kate Jones's brilliant book but they were stuff that they were doing in lessons so even from kind of a cognitive load point of view it wasn't something brand new for the students they knew exactly how to do it because it had been in the lesson as a bell task or something along those lines so that kind of helped us out but also helped them out as well
1: I think I remember the the sheets that you're thinking about we had one sheet that almost looked identical to what they'd done in the lesson wasn't that and I, mm. I think that was really quite helpful because we just needed them to remember that that content um, but then you could just kind of stick an exam question plan on the end of it and then suddenly it's retrieval and application yeah I think I remember the one you mean.
3: <laughs> it seems one thing we're talking about that it's true for the teacher and the students about reducing the friction to doing the homework so it's about the student going, well, I can see this. I know what to do because it's like what I did in class. It's all on one sheet. I don't have to go and find out a piece of paper. I can just do it. But also from the teacher of being like, you've got that great worksheet that you used with them a month ago. Why not just slightly adapt it and give it to them? Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, I'm interested because you talked about how you're kind of changing the philosophy of homework at your school and stuff like that. Have you spoken about that with the students? Or have you just said, it's now home learning? Or have you explained why that is and how you're going to get them to buy into it?
0: We haven't actually done much work with the students yet as a whole school, Um, We left it up to individual departments and subjects to do that. But what we have done is a parent workshop, in fact, this week, Um, so did an online parent workshop with the parents and said, here's why we value home learning. Here's what we can guarantee you our home learning will look like in terms of it won't be tokenistic, it won't be a punishment, it won't be finish the work you didn't finish in lesson and so on. Um, here's how you can support us as, as parents as well at home and that's right it's really important to us and if you're because we're we're entirely online for our our home learning so you know if your child is having issues logging on to an online platform like teams here's who you can contact and how you can contact us to to explain to us that your child's struggled with um with home learning or to access it and try and involve the parents in mu- as much as we can in that process um we're, yeah. You know, I teach in quite a, a deprived area. We don't necessarily all homes don't necessarily have computers um, or have enough computers for the amount of children that come to our school. Um, so even things like putting on homework support clubs. Um, so we, we actually I, I'm interested, Amy and Rachel, to see what your models like this in terms of how you support students who struggle to do your home learning. But we actually have a, a voluntary club, but then we also have a compulsory club. So if a student misses a deadline. a piece of homework we don't go straight to a detention as such we go to a compulsory homework club that they have to attend for 45 minutes and um that doesn't count towards the behavior points anything like that and that's staffed with teachers there waiting to help them with whatever work they've got to do if they then don't submit it on a second time then we we go through a behavior system and we Mm -hmm. say you know that you've now not used the kind of support mechanism we've got in place but we've kind of put these levels of support in and then try to involve the parents in that as much as possible I don't know how that compares to your school did you have much resistance to did the kind of drive on home learning
1: um I think a lot of it comes down to the cell and kind of your um, way that you're saying this is home learning. Like you say, it's home learning, not homework. You know, we've put effort into this and here's the reasons behind it. Um, and then Amy and I were also doing a lot of work around almost like there should be no reason why you shouldn't be able to do this homework. There should be uh, no barriers. So almost removing any um <sighs> sometimes excuses, but sometimes genuine, there's a reason I can't do this. Um, But alongside that, I think that, especially with some of our older students, kind of GCSE and up, we said, we, we tried to make sure that we fostered a sense of ownership and responsibility. If you're coming to me the day before the homework's due, during a time where I can help you, then yes, absolutely, I'll help you. And it's that sort of idea of, um, putting a little bit of onus back on the students but actually Amy you'd probably be better placed to talk about kind of homework provision in uh, school kind of with homework clubs and stuff uh,
2: yeah so Beckford runs a similar thing Um, they have a homework club that takes place I think it's once a week Um, it's in the LRC it's um, staffed by some wonderful staff and the students have got access to computers they've got access to all the books in the LRC Um, so there's again no real barrier for them to not be able to do the home learning and deadlines are always long enough that they should be able to go to that if they need to it's not a case of it's been set today and it's due tomorrow mm. um, and so they have that support if they need it and um, as Rachel said you know the students can email us if they need to double check something or I can't quite find this is this the right article I'm reading um but we then began to build in and it's something we're kind of still working on as we go through the booklets and kind of update them is as Rachel said earlier, they should have everything they need to complete that home learning. And this is for all key stages. So at school, we have knowledge organisers that are printed into a booklet called an independent learning booklet every half term. And so we make a big thing of, look at your knowledge organizer. That's your first port of call, specifically for key stage three. Um, and then key stage four and five have QR codes. So again, trying to remove as many barriers as possible of in this particular thing or clicking on this link that might not work. And they just have to scan the QR code and it will take them to whatever support resource. It could be the area on the website that's got the PowerPoints from the lesson, just to kind of them as many options as possible to try and solve any problems they've got themselves but then we're always there if they need us
1: i think another thing that's kind of um important because mike you were talking about you know not every student necessarily has access to online facilities uh, when they're at home um there's also a lot of support through things like tutoring where um you know you kind of say, so, well, you've got this QR code, well, let's look at what that looks like in your lesson. And I think that, that additional support is is part of what makes your home learning quite effective as well, that yes, there should be no excuses, we've removed every barrier, but if there is a problem, the door's always open. And I think that's that's also a really important point because if we're going to expect students to be able to take the ownership, we need to also be ready to give them the tools to
3: take it. The final question I have is like, how do we show the students that their homework really matters? Because we can do everything we've spoke about. They go away and they do their great homework on their beautiful sheets and their folders. And we know it's having an impact. But how do we kind of show those students that we revalue homework? Because I know I've done in the past, definitely in my NQT years, like you get those 30 sheets of paper and they go in a drawer and I'm going to mark them tomorrow. Next week, I will mark them. I kind of can't find them anywhere. Like that has definitely happened um to me and maybe someone else, or maybe it's just me. So, how do we then show the students that their homework has a real value to us as their teacher?
1: I mean, it's definitely not just you there, Arthur. I think we've all yes. accidentally maybe lost a sheet of homework or thought. I just do not have time to read it. And I think actually we need to be realistic as teachers in very very busy environments it's not plausible for you to read additional homework every single week for every single class and I think that we need to acknowledge that so um, even though um, the EEF research around home learning kind of does say that if we can have feedback on homework it has higher impact um, on the students and their learning but I think we can be a bit flexible about what feedback actually entails Um, feedback can be as simple as right we're going to bring the answers up in the lesson and you're going to have a look and you're going to peer assess or self-assess those um, those kind of uh, things you've put into your homework one thing that amy and i were grappling with a little bit with the um post-16 homework when we first brought it in was well, how are we sure that what they've done on these two pages is the quality we want it to be? And part of that that solution was actually quite simple. It was, well, oh, let's provide them with a model of what it should look like. Here's the information that they should have had. And for your post-16, yes, perhaps we are thinking that they will have the independence to do that. But actually maybe in terms of feedback, if we did want to do a bit for lower school that we are, more um kind of wanting to keep better tabs on i guess or or at least uh kind of provide that feedback a little bit more be really selective about which bits you want to do feedback on acknowledge it's not going to be every single one and then you can stick to that one thing a little bit easier than saying i'm going to mark every single piece of homework which i think we can all acknowledge is quite unsustainable Mm -hmm. for busy you know classroom teachers
2: yeah building on that kind of model answer that rachel's mentioned as well that's something we've brought in with the key stage three booklets so we have made the page that would go in their booklet and then we made a model page and the way that we're doing the home learning at key stage three is geography are responsible for setting and checking year seven history are responsible for year eight and are responsible for year nine but obviously what that means is depending on what week you're on there might be a geography teacher who's checking the definitions of the dark ages. And they might be like, I've no idea if this is right. So we, as the history specialists have created that page and it's becoming embedded. It still needs work. One of my year nine was like, you've not put the model slide up for us to check the other day. Um, so at the start of the lesson, there it is, green pen. They can see what should be in it, you know, and it's really lovely to hear Um, the hear rates when they're like, oh, yes, I got that one right. I wasn't sure about that one. And then, you know, they feel more invested in it as well. So the model pages is something we've got there at key stage three. And then it's something that we're kind of working on for four and five.
1: I think just to add one more thing before maybe we move on, um, I think we can over complicate it sometimes as well. And we're saying that actually, why not just praise the efforts that the students are putting into this homework? You know that they're, they're they're doing extra outside of the the school hours. And you know who doesn't love to get a text home saying, "Wow, this piece of homework that you've done is absolutely fantastic. What detailed homework?" And even just saying to a student in the lesson, this is really detailed. This would be really good in your next exam question. This is really what I was hoping you would do when I gave you that piece of feedback from that essay a couple of weeks ago. And that sort of reinforcement of this thing you're doing has value and I see the effort you've put into it. It goes miles.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely agree. And you know, I I walked away from your research ed talk with such a clearer vision of what what good homework should be. And, you know, you've shared some really cool um, resources and you you shared what your booklets look like. But I think our talk on this podcast has actually just taken that understanding a little bit further as well and talked about kind of why we're doing this and how to actually implement it. So I want to thank you both for, for coming on and sharing your thoughts on homework with us. If our listeners want to find out a little bit more about yourselves and what you do... Um, where can they find
2: you? Um, as in you
0: don't need your home address. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I'm on Twitter, if we're still calling it that. Um, or X. Yeah, or X.
1: Twitter.
2: Twitter. Um, <laughs> at amypollard93. Um, and I'm also on Twitter, or
1: X as we're calling it. It's um, Rachel underscore Capture, Um And yeah, lots of, kind of stuff on there that we've talked about.
4: And
3: obviously we'll tag you in effing. You'll be in the episode notes. So if you really want to find out more, look at the episode notes, find them on Twitter. I know you're putting awesome stuff out there, uh, which we all massively appreciate. Rachel, Amy, it's been absolutely awesome having you on Tea and Teaching. Uh, massively appreciate your time. Listeners, you'll be back with me and Mike in a moment.
4: This week's takeaways are brought to you in partnership with Qualified Tutor the first international professional development community for tutors. We are committed to ensuring that every tutor worldwide is safe, skilled and supported. If you want to know more about becoming a QT member go to qualifiedtutor.org. We would love to welcome you in.
0: Welcome back to Team Teaching. Arthur, we're going to make this snappy. What was your takeaway from that conversation?
3: It all came back for me, Mike, to homework with no purpose is pointless. Rachel and Amy kept talking about that. It's got to have a purpose. So think about what that purpose is before you design the homework. What about you?
0: Yeah, I, I was dreadful at art and design at, at school, but I'm going to start thinking about how aesthetically pleasing my homework is. Um, and how I can make it look like I've spent a lot of time and a lot of effort into it to allow the students to take a bit of ownership and a bit of pride in it as well.
3: So massive thanks to Amy and Rachel for their time. It's got us thinking about homework. Let's know what you do on Twitter at T tea and Teaching. Let's know your ideas. Uh, but Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure as always.
0: It has. Thank you very much, Arthur, and thank you to the listeners.
3: thank you for listening to this episode of Tea and Teaching.
0: If you've enjoyed the content of this episode, please feel free to share it with other educators.
3: And if you're able to, please leave a review on the platform.
0: And as always, thank you for listening to Tea and Teaching.